York, New York, big city of dreams. I'm coming, coming, I'm coming straight out. New York, New York, big city of dreams. Yeah, man, what's going on? This is Jay Ellis from Nick of Time Show here to give you that Nick's talk just in the nick of time. And you already know what it is, man. The gunshots are ringing off in Nick's nation because the Knicks hold on to beat the Washington Wizards 100-97. And I'm giving the game ball to Mitch Robinson, who gave you 15 points, 12 rebounds, 10 of them offenses. Let's go pay that man money. Making Mitch also had contributions from RJ Barrett, who gives you 18 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists. Randall gives you 18 points and 17 rebounds. Evan Fournier is getting close to breaking that John Starks record. He gives you 14, 15 points, 3 steals, and 4 assists. Quickly is coming into the game and changing the complexion of the team off the bench and gives you 15 points and 5 assists, 4 rebounds, and and the Knicks beat the Washington Wizards once again despite not being able to hit shots in the fourth quarter but they hit free throws and they out rebound and they take the head off of KP the stake and beat these Washington Wizards 100 to 97 shots in the air for my Knicks Nation crew shout out to the KOT family <laughs> man Man, man, listen, yo, we found a way to do it today. We found a way. The Knicks almost nicked this one up again. We, we almost we almost nicked this one up again because the fourth quarter came. And it was almost a fourth quarter due. Scored 25 points. We're up 15 points in the fourth quarter. They cut it to one because we couldn't contain Kyle Kuzma. Once again, the lack of playmaking started to show. And I don't even think it's the lack of playmaking because we got the open shots we wanted. We got R.J. Barrett getting to his mid-range. We got we got open, clean looks at times. We just didn't hit him, and we almost choked. We almost choked, but you know what, guys? You know what saved us today? Them free throws. Them free throws saved us today, man. Those free throws and Mitchell Robinson saved us today. We did not miss a free throw. We didn't miss a free throw in the fourth quarter. And you're looking at Mitchell Robinson. They came not a point in this game. Where this team got desperate. The Wizards got desperate and went to hack a Mitch. Which is why I'm putting Mitchell Robinson on this screen right now today. Because <laughs> this guy went <laughs> to, they went to hack a Mitch. Mitch got pissed and said, no, sir. Not today. You see that? You see, you see, you see that graphic right there with Mitchell Robinson? Three from three. Three for three for the free throw line? Come on, man. Also, R.J. Barrett, too, man. R.J. Barrett. Horrible game today. 27% from the field. But still, this month, R.J. Barrett is in the 80s. 80s percent in, in, in the free throw line, man. R.J. Barrett today, 83% from the field. Hit two clutch baskets when it mattered. Shout out to R.J. Barrett. You know that horrible game. Quickly, man. Quickly was point guarded today. 
People talking about, oh, he's a combo guard. He's not a combo guard. He's a point guard. Quickly did his thing. Shout out to Quickly, man. Randall had a horrible game, too, but 17 rebounds of the night. Evan Fournier. A lot of stuff to talk about, man. But before I even get to the details of the game, please hit the like button, subscribe button, and comment. It's going to help the algorithms. Algorithm is going to help the KOT show rise to the top when it comes to these YouTube streets. So definitely help us out with the like button and subscribe button and comment after this, this show is over. All right. Now let's get and shout out to everybody who's rocked with the show. Shout out to the Knicks Gas Oracle. Shout out to Pick Timmy. Shout out to T. Williams. Shout out to Fritz Alessandro, D-Nice. Everybody else is rocking with the KOT show. Shout out to you guys. Now let's get it. Um, you know, you know, you know what's funny? KP the Garden Snake returns to the returns, right? KP the Garden Snake returns to Madison Square Garden. And I know this is a season supposedly a lost season, but I, I'm I'm liking that the basketball guard gods granted us the return of KP. And his soft rebounding. <laughs> KP, the Garden Snake today. 18 points, 11 rebounds <laughs> on the night. But Mitchell Robinson ate his lunch. Mitchell Robinson, 15 points, 10 offensive rebounds. Number two. In the NBA and offensive rebounds, we have, we have to put some respect on this man's name. People talking about he's not worth the money. He's worth the four years, 48. Hopefully, we get to keep him because OKC and the rest of these guys are after him. But it's interesting because the Knicks were shooting horribly, horribly today. Shot only 34%. How do you shoot only 34% from the field and win a basketball game? It's crazy. It's, it was crazy. Knicks only shot 34% from the field. And win the basketball game is largely because we got so many second chance points. The second chance points told a story. 20. Hold on. I have it written down real quick. I have it written down. 20 to four check second chance points in favor of the New York Knicks. Offensive rebounds. 19 offensive rebounds to three from the New York Knicks. The two-headed monster on the offensive glass. Well, first of all, the Mitch Robinson had 10 by himself. So he's a one-headed monster by himself. And then Jericho, combined with Jericho Sims with his four offensive rebounds in only 14 minutes, that alone helped us survive a horrid shooting. A horrid shooting. So I'm giving the game ball to Mitch Robinson today. I'm giving the game ball to Mitch Robinson today. Hardly even caught any alley oops. They didn't really look for him that much. He just all his dirty work just rebounding the ball. Uh secondly, I'm I'm gonna talk about quickly too, but I want to have a discussion about Evan Fournier. Because I haven't really given Evan Fournier his crazy uh any duel lately. Because I wanted to more concentrate on the kids. But when we, we talked about the four, this front office and what they've done good and what they've gone bad. This front office might not have been wrong with Evan Fournier, man. Not might have been wrong with Evan Fournier. Once again, Evan Fournier. Decent night. 5'11 from the field, 14 points. I mean, 5'11 from three, 45% from three. 
15 points on a night. Tonight, uh, there, be, there was a key moment in the game in the third quarter when uh, the second unit was doing well, you know, like it was keeping us in the game. Randall and Evan Fournier checked back in the game. Evan Fournier's defense impacted the game. Getting to the passing lane, stealing the ball was one thing because you see Evan Fournier do that from time to time. But there was a play where Evan uh, was was matched up against uh, Cardwell Pope. And Cardwell Pope tried to take him off the dribble. And Evan stole the ball straight out of uh, Pope's hands. And that helped us catapult us into the lead with his three or four. We had like three or four stops in that second quarter. You know, alone, you know how the Knicks are. You know how Tom Thibodeau preaches. We have to get consecutive stops to win the game. And that's what he did. And Evan, Evan Fournier uh, contributed to that in that second quarter. So shout out to Evan Fournier, who hit his threes and actually played defense today. And also shout out to these Knicks, man. Because I don't know if you guys realize this, but the first few threes that Evan Fournier hit was off of off-ball movement. We've been complaining that there's not a lot of off-ball movement on these Knicks. And they don't seem to really do it for four quarters. But if you watch, Evan Fournier was like screening Mitchell Robinson and popping out at the top of the three-point line for open threes. And I wish they did that more because we, compl we were complaining that Evan Fournier wasn't getting enough open looks at one time. And we was using him incorrectly. wasn't using him the same way he's been using him in Orlando. And he's turned it around. And the, the New York Post, they actually interviewed him because he's, he's approaching John Stark's career record of, of threes. John Starks has hit 217 threes in 1994-1995. He hit, he's hit the most threes in New York Knicks history. Evan Fournier is on track to beat that record. He already passed Allen Houston at number five like a couple of weeks ago. Right now, uh, he hit 201 three-pointers thir with 13 games to play, and he's going to break that record. It's, it's on point. It's on point. And the New York Post talked to Evan Fournier, and I kind of liked what he said because Berman, Berman talked to me, asked him, he's like, do you feel like you're underrated? And he said, nah. He said, do you feel like you're not getting the credit you deserve? He said, no, the team is losing. I actually feel like we don't really deserve the credit until we start to win. And it motivates me to do better. So shout out to Evan Fournier, who found a way to do better. And he also said that he had to adjust with shooting the amount of threes that he's shooting this year. He's not really getting to the line as much. He's not a little dribbling as much. And he said it took him a while to find his rhythm to get to the point where he's hitting threes consistently. And as of this year... He's on record pace. He's, he's, he's shattered his three-point make record already for his career. So shout out to Evan Fournier, who had a slow start to the year and has turned it around. Uh, he might still be moved. Who knows? Because of Cam Reddish winning the wing, and we need to move. We need to create time for him. Alec Burke still might be the easier move because of his contract, the size of his contract, and his expiring contract as well. But um, Evan Fournier might not be the bad move that we thought at the beginning of the year. It just it just might be that we just need to come. We need to pair him more with a defensive point guard to litigate the bad defense that he plays from time to time. But today he played pretty good defense. So shout out to Evan Fournier. 
Haven't talked to him in a while. And also the playmaker, man. Four assists today. He has six assists game versus Brooklyn. And it seems like he's finding uh, his playmaking ability as well. Hooked up some, some players for some nice passes today that contributed to that run in that second quarter and also the third quarter as well. So shout out to Evan Fournier. Um, Julius Randle too. I saw. I see somebody says uh, M more and seventeen rebounds for Randle. I can't talk down on his effort tonight. Yeah, Randle played tonight, man. He 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 sucked offensively for the most part. His playmaking is still not that of a first option. But his seventeen rebounds helped obliterate these Washington Wizards. Um, yeah. I also want to talk about quickly, man. I also want to talk about quickly. Because I always wanted to make, if I had more time, I probably would have made him a graphic about quickly. Because quickly, once again, um, he's. I talked about him turning the corner, and today is, is more evident that quickly has turned a corner, and it's not just shot making with this kid. It's not that he's just making more shots. His game is augmented. For one, it was interesting when. Quickly got into the game. They were playing. The first, they was playing zone, and quickly was able to get into the lane at will. That was the interesting part. Also, the second interesting part is you really know what it is. We have our lineup that we love. The lineup that we love, we like to see the young guys run. There was there was a, the unit that came back in of quickly, R.J. Barrett. We had Jericho Sims. We had Quentin Grimes, and we had Obi. And if you look at that unit in the second quarter, that unit couldn't really score much, man. Like, we had trouble scoring except quickly. I feel like qu- quickly, really, was the reason that second unit was able to stay afloat when the starters came off the bench. Because I think quickly had like seven points in that second quarter alone. Quentin Grimes had five points. Uh, Obi Toppin, two points. R.J. Barrett has 18 points on the night, but that second quarter stint, that wasn't R.J. Barrett time. R.J. Barrett was not doing well today. He he got to the hole, couldn't finish. And on top of that, that whole first half, he wasn't getting to the foul line. So it wasn't even like, it was really quickly dribble penetration. That really, really did, that really held down that second unit. And that's something that he wasn't even doing three weeks ago. So we got to give love to Emmanuel quickly and give that man his props. And there's a couple of things that quickly is doing right now. One, he's getting to the hole with regularity. Two, he's starting to draw fouls. Three, this game, I'm starting to realize he's not only pushing the pace on fast breaks because you see him pushing the pace, giving Obi the ball, getting around the ball for go-ahead baskets, but he's starting to master um, that one, the floater. He's getting back to the floater. Two, he's going to the line, but three, the change of pace once he gets into the paint is keeping defenders off balance. And as a guard, because I'm a short guy, as a guard, you, you can really control people's defensively, especially if you're fast, if you're able to stop and go once you get into the paint. And he's been able to do that a few times, getting these bigs off guard and drawing fouls. So quickly, over the last week, I'm starting to see more wrinkles to this game. So 
And like he's eliminated, he's almost eliminated completely the mid-range game. So shout out to the coaching staff who's coaching this man up. Now he's getting to the hole. He's drawing fouls. The shots are starting to fall. He's 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 pacing the floor for this team. He's changing his pace. He has a change of pace dribble now in the paint. And on top of that, today I the, the passing was good, man. He's not always the best passer and the best at looking for his teammates, but I feel like once he started going and getting into that lane, he became even more dangerous. And he was setting his players up for ease, for passes. They just weren't hitting them. They just weren't hitting them. But eventually, he got some passes to go, five assists on the night, more so when he was working with that, uh, the first unit, when he's playing with the first unit. So shout out to man quickly. He did a really good job, man. He got burnt by, by Ish Smith a few times. But quickly really did his thing, man. Quickly really did his thing. So shout out to quickly. Like even if you watch quickly, I keep saying that quickly produces the most open looks for Randall and anybody else on his team, and it's true. Like even the way, and it's not even just his playmaking. It's it's the gravity, the force in which quickly runs. Watch when if you rewatch this game in the I think the second quarter. Quickly, Randall comes back in with quickly. When quickly catches the ball for a dribble handoff, there's two players chasing him. And he's able to just dump the ball off to Randall, who was able to get like an open jump shot or a, a, a lane, uh, something to the lane. Like the gravity that quickly is creating, the, gra- the, the gravity that Evan Fournier is creating by his shot making is starting to create open lanes for Randall. So kudos to these two guys. They had an imprint on the game with their shot making and their shot creation just by their the gravity alone. A lot of nice things to point out in this game. And I'm not even going to talk about R.J. Barrett because R.J. Barrett had a rough one. But uh, kudos to R.J. Barrett for having a, a great defensive game towards the end who stayed down on the pump fake when the game got close. Hit his clutch free throws because he has not been hitting clutch free throws for months. And now he's been hitting them today. So uh, at the end of the day, R.J. Barrett has 18 points on a day. I think he needs to average around 20 points from here on out to average 20 points on the season. As of today, the last I checked, he was averaging 19.3. Hopefully, R.J. gets it. But not only does, hope, I hope, does do I hope he gets it, I hope he gets it the right way. All right? All right. Now, I, I'm a... Open up the phone lines as as you know if you want to call and talk Knicks basketball. Or you know what to do. Dial that number 319-527-6241. That is 319-527-6241 if you want to call in and talk Knicks basketball with your boy Jay Ellis. And I, I just threw up this, this graphic real quick just to re-illustrate what's been going on with R.J. Barrett. And this game kind of illustrates that too, man. Like it's funny because his field goal percentage has gone down this month as compared to last month he hasn't been able to finish up the basket as you can see so far uh but this free throw percentage is going up and it's been helping to keep his percentage up in general but still all in all he's been averaging 24.6 points per game in march so far but this graphic was made yesterday so i think that's going up to 26 points per game since then and largely because of rj barrett's free throw percentage and also he's been getting to the line a lot more Started off shooting around three point, I think three point three free throws a game in early going in September. Now that's up to eight point three, I believe. 
a game. So the increased free throw usage and the increased free throw making is helping RJ stay afloat. Um, but let's get to these calls, man. First caller up, uh, we got Ken T, a.k.a. Ken Thibodeau. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Jay Ellis? What's man. going on, Ken? <laughs> I'm rolling with it. Hey, uh, I'm going to try to be a little brief today because I, I want to get your opinion on stuff. But, uh, but man, listen, you're the best at this, and this is why, you know, I ride for you, and I ride with you, and you're doing good the second half after the All-Star break. You're on fire, and I'm telling you, everything you said today was on point. You took so many words, you took so many thoughts out of my mind, and you said a lot of things I didn't even think about that made perfect sense, especially about quickly. Uh, I just want to add just a little bit on to what you were saying. Cool. Um, I think... Like, you know, we're quickly, uh, I was really impressed tonight, like, and what he's been doing the last couple of nights, getting into the paint, and like you mentioned, you know, change of direction. And also, I noticed he, he just, he's getting a little bit more comfortable yeah. being in the paint among the bigs. Because before, and that was kind of the knock on him in college, was that, you know, he get flustered, mm-hmm. and, and he couldn't and couldn't finish. And then you see he's worked out, he's improved. And that goes kind of back to what we talked about the other night, and also what I mentioned in the article is, like, quickly is the type of player we need. It, it, you know, he might not have the highest ceiling, but this is a kid who came in, who, you know, who played well. Remember, this year he had to adjust because they changed the rules. Right. So he was one of the guys who was, who was baiting all the, those call, the foul calls last year. Mm-hmm. With the, you know, and, and he couldn't do that. So he had to adjust his game. And plus, with the struggles, with the new players, especially Randall, well, his play, it really affected him. But you saw he, he's come out of it, right? Yeah. So he's a fighter. He's a grinder. And that's exactly like the type of guys that we need on this team to be foundational pieces is guys who can deal with the pressure of playing in New York, who can deal with adversity. And you've seen that he's not only gone out of the shooting slump, but he's improved his game. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, and like I said, and everything else you said about him is spot on and then about RJ. And the other thing also really quick is, like, you look at, like, Washington, right? They're a nice team, but, but we're a better team. And, and Fournier said it in the post game. He's like, we kill teams for three quarters, but in the fourth quarter, you know, we, we tighten up and, and yeah. we give away the game. And, and you saw tonight, like, this was, you know, what Tom Thibodeau wants the team to be. It's like, okay, when we're not hitting shots, like you saw um, RJ and, and um, Julius were off tonight, we're still in the game because we're playing the right way. And then you see Washington, right? And this is like, you know, I've watched all the games that they played against the Knicks this year. Mm-hmm. And they got less talent, but they're, but Scrappy. you can tell they're well coached. Yeah. They, they play. And, and that's why they're ahead of us. And listen, Beal has only played 40 games this year for them. And he's had a bad year. If you look at his stats, he had an off year and he's only played 40 games. So they've been able to be with us right there in the standings having less talent, and also that Achimura kid who's really nice yeah. in Japan, mm-hmm. he's been out most of the year too. But because, you know, they've been playing as a team focused, and that's, you know, before I get to, to the point I'm going to ask you is, that's when everyone's jumping on Tibbs, and I'm not, even though I'm carrying the Tibbs name, I'm not a Tibbs fan. I never was in favor of his hiring, and, and I, you know, I, I'm critical about a lot of things he does. But to me, it's like, listen, this is a player's league. And it's got to start with Randall. If Randall isn't playing well, he's not trying. He's not hustling. He's making 
bad turnovers. He, he's given up, you know, layups, not getting back on defense. Um, you know, that's going to make the team, the team's going to look bad. And, yeah. and like you see that, like Washington doesn't give anything away. Like they're just not that good, but they don't do all these unforced errors. Right. If you see the Knicks do to Randall. Facts. So anyway, I just wanted to, to throw it back at you um, and ask you, um, because I was kind of blinded the other day when, when uh, Jason called in, he was all upset about Tibbs. Mm-hmm. What do you think has really been the problem this year? This year? First, of all, first of all, what do you think the expectations were for this, this team? Because like, you do represent you know, Knicks fans and you got your finger on the pulse. What do you think the expectations were for this team for, for, uh, as a Knicks fan? Okay. Like, how good did you think they were going to be? Um, all right, I'll say this. So, I thought it was going to be. I thought okay. First of all, um, first I thought it was going to be better than five hundred. I think everybody was drinking the Kool Aid with the success of last season. So we, so the Knicks were hoping. Knicks and Knicks fans alike were hoping to you know be over five hundred bare minimum. Like I think I think a lot of people were going fifty. Um, I think I was more in the forty. Five to forty-eight, and obviously both of us was wrong. Everybody was wrong. <laughs> Everybody was wrong. But I think last year's success definitely hindered us. But what I was saying, what I would say was this: in the beginning of the year, when I was doing our assessment of the Knicks, one thing I was supremely worried about. I was worried about Mitch Robinson's injury history, not injury history, but injury during the summer because most teams, mm-hmm. most players get better in the summer, and I remember saying. Hey guys, y'all talking about Mitchell Robinson and he's a great player, but aren't you worried that he's going to get off to a slow start because he hasn't played for so long? Everybody was saying no. Mitchell Robinson got off to a crazy slow start because he wasn't playing long. And I feel like when you ask me what went wrong this season, Mitch Mitch was a huge part of the reason why our defense was was so bad to start the season. And now we now we're looking at this point of the season, we've cracked the top 10. Um, in a bunch of defensive categories, and I think that's largely because Mitchell Robinson is healthy. Um, two, Nerlens and Well going down didn't help. Um, three, Kemba Walker defense. Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier's defense were bad, and the offense was supposed to offset that. Um, the front office miscalculated because uh, not on Fournier per se, but more so for Walker. Uh, so I think that that um, held us back. Four, Julius Randle. Julius Randle's uh, psyche was not there. Like he, it, and it wasn't even just that he was playing bad because he was playing bad, but he was playing bad. He wasn't hustling back on defense, and I feel like his aura was kind of. I feel like his aura was weighing the team down. Um, yeah. Thank you. I feel like you it's always it, winning you said the team. It better than I, you said exactly what I was thinking, but but you um, articulated it so eloquently. Thank you. Right. So. But, but but five, when he was, and this is the part that's on Tibbs, when his aura was playing the team down, pulling the team down, when he wasn't getting backed on defense, when he wasn't, you know, doing what he's supposed to do, Tibbs wasn't holding him accountable. And I, I I think, I don't know if it was the fear of the backlash of the stuff that happened when Tibbs was in Tim, with the Timberwolves with Cat, because, you know, he was trying to hold Cat, Cat accountable. Cat kind of, you know, mm-hmm. stood up to him and it backfired and him getting let go. 
I don't know if that was in the back of his mind, and that's why he didn't hold Randall to the standard that we sh- he should have. But um, I feel like that exasperated the difficulties that the Knicks were going through, and he wasn't willing to, you know, go there a different direction because there was a point in the beginning of the season where Derrick Rose was was great, and Obi Toppin was actually playing well in the beginning of the season, and he would still sub out Obi Toppin for Julius Randle. Right. And I feel yeah. like that was missed so, opportunities for for Obi Toppin to get better right. and to, you know, offset what Randall was doing and hold him accountable right. for a month. All right. So really quick, Jay, I agree with, with, like, all your points is exactly what I was thinking, except I have them, like, in different orders. Right? So I definitely think the, the Mitch part was definitely underrated, and we're seeing that now. But to me, uh, and then obviously Noel, you know, contributes to that. But number two for me is what you're saying about Randall, because I think since Randall's supposed to be the star, it, it, it has a cascading effect, right. right? Because if he's not playing defense on top of Mitch, you know, being out of shape, it's exposing, you know, Fournier's defense. Like you talked about earlier, like Fournier's got his moments. He's not a turnstile, but he's not a great defender. And there was supposed to be a trade-off, but the idea is we're going to have Fournier – and Kimba surrounded by RJ, Randall, and Mitch were supposed to be superior defenders. And then that hasn't happened because, like you said, Mitch was hurt. And then Randall, you know, his aura was off and he wasn't given his, his effort. Now, so I think that that's the thing where I think, you know, people need to think twice because, like, I get on tips for a lot of stuff. And I think he said, he, like, he, he, my thing is he's not creative. Like, yeah. why can't you play OB, especially when Noel's hurt, why can't you play OB and Randall together? But the thing with the Randall, and you made a great point, and I didn't think about that, but what I'm not sure about, and this is what I wanted to convey in the next article I'm going to write, is it's not all on Tibbs. Like, there's all these internal politics. Like, Tibbs reports to the front office. It's just that Leon and Wes, they don't, you know, they, they don't do press conferences. The only person who, who we hear from is, is Tibbs. But like, um, but you know, there's marching orders. Like they tell them, "Hey, you know, you got to play this guy more. You got to sit this person." That's and that's um, the, and, that, and so I don't know how much of that plays because, like Randall, they paid him all this money. Nah, see, that's so now, the thing. And the same thing with Fournier. It's like, like I seen him scream at Fournier like last game when he let um, what's this guy done? Just like walk right in for layup. I saw Tiz eviscerate Fournier, but he left him in the game. And part of that is, and, and you know, and Fournier's chirped back a little on Tibbs. It's because, hey, we just gave these people money. Like, we can't bench them. Right. Yeah, I, so I, I, think, I'll, I think there's some of that in play. I'll, I'll say this. That's the one part I'll say you, you might be wrong about because from the beginning of the season, Tibbs has free reign to play on who, who, who he's not playing, who he wants or don't want. Don't. I and I don't know about that. I not, that's I, for I, sure. That's that's for sure. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, yo. Well, no, hold on, hold on. Hold, I'm gonna, no, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to make my last point. Hold on one second. You go there. Hold on, hold on. And Kim and I, they got Kemba here, who's a big signing. Kemba was benched for a month, and that's because of tips. Well, well, and I think that's I think no, that's no, also but, but that's different. Right, right, right. But, but also wait, 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 wait a second. But also there was a period of time when Fournier was pissed because. Fournier was, Fournier was starting to get the elf treatment for a second, where he was starting games, but he wasn't finishing them because of the way he was playing defense. So, Tibbs absolutely has right. the power to do that. So he has done it for well, Fournier. 
not as much well, lately, well, he, but like he can play and play who doesn't want to play, and so that and that's well, what I'm saying. Like he controls that. That's I on think there's, I think there's there's a limit to that because, like uh, like the thing is with, with Walker, everyone gets up on Walk. Walker was a big signing because he's a big name and he's from New York, but they only paid him seven million dollars a year, right? Like Derrick Rose is getting paid twice as much as, as uh, Walker, so they can afford to to uh, you know, upset Kimba. Right, because he's only he, he's only got a two-year deal, and it's like seven or eight million. But I wanted to remember. I sent you a tweet the other day, and I said, "Remember when you interviewed Xavier McDaniel? Mm-hmm. You remember he was saying how he was doing really well, but the but the the front office wanted him to sign a contract extension, and he wouldn't sign it because he wanted to go to unrestricted free agency. Yep. And what did he say? He said. He said, all of a sudden, when I rejected the contract extension, they started running less plays for me, and then they reduced my minutes. So my production decreased. So they were trying to you know, mess with my value so I couldn't get a bigger contract. And listen, that team, that was the first year of Pat Riley. Pat Riley, who came in like the savior. Because remember, they signed Pat Riley more than anything was to keep Patrick Ewing. Because Patrick right. Ewing... If you, I don't know if you're old enough to remember, but Patrick Ewing, I remember as a kid, I, I saw the paper, he already had a list of teams. He wanted out of New York because he was just upset the, I, I, with, with the Knicks. Mm-hmm. And then Riley came in on the white horse, and then Riley was the same. And you saw, like, that first year Riley came, they were in contention, and they were uh, um, competing with the Bulls. And even Riley, you think Riley was, was going to play politics? Even Riley has bosses, and even Pat Riley right, who had right. all the but cachet. Here's the thing you're missing, so, though, Ken. You're missing that. Here's the thing. Well, for one, it's not the same era. Like Sims is playing more because of the front office, right? They right. definitely put the pressure on him, but Tim still has the power. And I, like you, your point to like, well, this is more important. This play is more important. We traded first round pick for for Cam, so I feel like he's priority as well. But they not. But they don't have the power to have him play for one. For two, well, listen, I, I, Sims is for Sims is playing more now, but it's not like they're icing out Mitchell Robinson because Mitchell Robinson played thirty minutes today. Tibbs, Tibbs is Tibbs tries to win point blank period. No, no, I, I like I said, I think it, it, there's a balance there, and the thing is, like, but think about this, right? Everyone's job is on the line. Like everyone doesn't realize this. It's like. You think you think uh, Leon Rose is going to put himself in a position where where he's going to let Tibbs do something that's going to get him fired? No. And listen, the average NBA coach, you know what the average tenure of an NBA coach is on a team? It's less than two and a half years. That's, so that's all the these guys, and that's not even, and then you know what? That's less for the Knicks. That's just the NBA in general. Like the Knicks, and the, and the, I saw the Knicks, the Nets, and I think the Pistons have fired the most coaches in the NBA. Absolutely. Right? And, and like the last tw- like in the, in the, in this uh in the 2000s. But the but the point is that the, and you saw Tibbs, he just won coach of the year and everyone's already trying to get him fired. So it's like of course the dude's going to coach for his job and and of course the front office they're going to be, you know, they get a little more le- a longer leash than the coaches do because you can usually fire a coach and then, you know, hire another one. But but listen, they're coming up on year 3. And that and if you notice Dolan after three years is when he fires. If there's a result, he fires the front offices. He's done that with Phil. He did that with with, um, with Steve Mills. 
And that's like the average in the NBA. So what I'm saying is there's a lot of pressure. And I think there's definitely Tibbs has power. But I'm not willing, like everybody in in social media thinks like Tibbs just has free reign and and he can do whatever. And there is a pressure because, listen, I think if he had full reign, I think he, he, he would he would have done what we all see, which is like, hey, Randall needs to sit a little bit. Randall needs to, to shut the F up, mm-hmm. right? I don't know. I, 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 I don't, disagree with that. Last year, Randall was, was, was a good soldier, and you never saw Randall complain last year. Cause why? Because he was on his contract year. He had to be a good, uh, a good soldier and, and, and stay focused, and he didn't have the opportunity to get lazy on defense like he did in year one. So anyway, yeah. like, we don't know, so we can go back and forth. But I just think that the front office has more influence than people think. That that's my point. It, like you said, it, it might still be that Tibbs, you know, has you know, you know, the final say for now. I'm not going to argue what I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I just think mm-hmm. that that people underestimate that you know the front office has a vested interest in who plays and who doesn't. Because, like uh, I said, you know, you, you signed Fournier God, and he yeah. looks bad. It looks bad on Leon. You signed, you gave uh, yeah. Randall this okay. extension. Yeah, we, we got it. We got and, it. And he, and, I'm sorry. So I'm sorry. So I'm that's, cut that you was off. all I, I got. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you, man. Hey, you're doing a fabulous job, man. Keep it up. You're the best. And and like I said, man, you're uh, you're you're doing great. And and every and like I said, you're explaining everything and and putting it out there for for all the casual Knicks fans to really understand what's truly going on with the, with the team. And I appreciate that, man. All right, so. man. Thanks, Ian. Shout out to you, man. Yeah, later. All right, later. Man, me and Kenneth could, could debate for hours. <laughs> we could debate for hours. I need to find the clip, though, because cause I'm not just making up that, you know, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm not making up that, t- that Tibbs has free reign. When he was first hired, I can't remember. I watched so much content and watched so much video that I, I forget more than I watch sometimes. But in the beginning of the season, I remember them saying specifically that my job is going to be my job. Their job is going to be their job. And for guys who've been watching the show a lot of time, you'll, you'll, hear, you'll hear me say that. You'll hear me say that. So, like, they've, they've addressed that one thing about his free reign to coach and when he first got hired for the New York Knicks. I just have to find that video or find it somewhere. Or if, if somebody finds it, if somebody finds it, send it to me for sure. But uh, shout out to Ken. Thanks for the call. Uh, next caller up, we got my guy RJ from Jersey. Not to be confused with the Badman Barrett himself. What's going on, RJ? Hey, what's up, Chael? How we doing, man? I'm doing all right, man. <laughs> that was a good call. That was a good call. <laughs> um, hey, this is a this is a good win tonight. I liked. Uh, again, it was another night where RJ Barrett struggled, but he worked his way to 18 points. Yeah, and he was hitting his free throws. I think the next step for him um, is going to be that mid-range game. Yeah. You know, I think if he starts hitting that a little more consistently, he flashed some more tonight. But if he starts going out, going to that a little more, I think that's going to really help him, um, you know, keep the defense off balance and maybe it changes the way they scheme him. Um, so, yeah, I think the mid-range is going to have to do with a lot. He's starting to hit the free throws lately. Um, and then one more thing I want to add before I hang up. Jericho, I know we're talking about Mitch, but Jericho can leap, man. Man. He had, dude, he's, so he had like 10 rebounds the other night against New Jersey. Then he had, uh, I think, seven the other night. Now he's got six more tonight, and he's not even playing 
two big minutes. Like, he's doing his thing. He can get rebounds. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right, man. I'm glad you said that. I wrote it down in my notes of things to talk about. Yeah. But I kind of, like, forgot to mention that, so I'm really I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, and I like the comparison you made uh, the other day about him. And he kind of being like a Noel 2.0. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, exactly. Cause, yo, yo, here's the thing with Sims, man. And I said this, I call him Noel, Noel 2.0 for a reason. But the other thing that he like that he can do that Noel can't do, and you mentioned it, RJ, is he can rebound. Like Noel just cannot rebound. So the fact that we have Jerick, that we have Mitch Robinson giving you ten rebounds on a twelve rebounds on a night, and then right behind him we have Jericho Sims who can also rebound in a decent clip, and then you got Randall who's giving you seventeen. Like it's, we we should start yeah. to obliterate teams on the board because now we actually have three big men who can rebound on a consistent basis, and. And on top of that, Jericho Sims' positional defense is uh, outstanding. And before, in the beginning of the season, I felt like he didn't really know where to be as much. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of reason why he wasn't getting that much burn. But I feel like he's been in the right spots more often than not after he started seeing minutes this season. And he's he starting to see he's able to give two or three efforts, stun out to a man, get back to his own man, uh, and, and things of that nature. And, like, once he starts to get the timing right for blocks, I feel like his blocks is going to re- rise a little bit, too. <sighs> yeah, I, I think I agree with that for sure. I, and it's it's going to be interesting because, obviously, a lot's going to depend on what they do with Mitch. Uh, but maybe they can keep Sims around as, like, a backup big or something. Um, but, yeah, he's he's been great. And um, RJ, again, like I said, just work on that mid-range a little more. And uh, Randall, it. You know he missed a lot of shots in that second half. Yeah, uh, but he I can't I can't critique his performance tonight. But um, yeah, I just wish you know occasionally he'll show that full court push the pace style. Yeah, but you know eventually he always goes back to that half court ISO game, and it's it's sometimes frustrating. But tonight I can't I can't complain about it tonight. Uh, but that's it, man. You have a great rest of your night, couple. Let's keep it up. All right, man. Shout out to my guards. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with you. It's funny because the pros of having Randall is when he goes to that that pressing style where he's just pushing the ball up the court at full force. He, he you talk about I said the word gravity a million times today, but people just draw to him and he's able to kick it out, or he's able to grab a go uh, you know, go to the line and get a foul. When the game in the fourth quarter, I feel like well, I know they're afraid to do that because you know fourth quarter you don't want to give up a lead. So I feel like they're they're more hard pressed to fast break a lot, and I think it's a lot of reason why you know if you're not a pure playmaker, which Randall isn't a pure playmaker, it can get a little bit harder for you to you know play slower and survey the de- defense. He just made he's just, he's just at his best when he's making quicker moves. Um, so we're gonna have these problems until somebody learns to playmake, whether it be R.J. Barrett. Whether it be quickly, who um he got t- quickly got taken out of the game in the last three minutes for Alec Burks, um maybe he should have been left in because like I said he he still creates open shots for other people more than anybody else. Um, I mean, and I like there was one play I like the fact that quickly actually turned down Randall. There was a play where Randall um was calling for the board because he had a mismatch and quickly drove. And found Grimes for an open three in the fourth quarter. I felt that was a big play from Quickly. And I, I thought that was some growth where he doesn't just 
force feed Randall, but makes a play when he sees it happening. So I thought that was some growth. But I, I felt like, you know, I felt like Coach could have afforded to, to leave him in in the fourth quarter instead of going Alec Burks. But it is what it is. Uh, it's a good game from Quickly. Randall, 17 rebounds, and we, we end up with the win. All right. Next caller up. We got our man Big Reaper. Big Reaper. What's going on, bro? Hey, what's up, fellas? Hey, good evening, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you know, in some ways, I'm a little, you know, conflict, conflicted a little bit. You know, it's like, I don't know if I really want them to win. Because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'd like for them Man. to get a nice, you know, draft pick because, you know, hey. Yo, know, anytime we can beat KP the snake. I'm taking it, all right? Take the head off the snake, man. I don't want KP to ever win in the garden ever again. I will uh who's who's the dude? I might I'll I might even I'll, I might even relive the indoor. Remember indoor? Yeah, yeah, I remember him. Yeah. I don't know. I might even I might even waste a draft pick to beat KP. I don't know. That's some of the vitriol I have for him. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's uh you know, it's look, I mean uh, the only good thing, it, I'm not trying to poo-poo the game. Um, the big thing is, like, offensive rebounding, and that's why we won this game. Facts. Um, you know, uh, we shot 34%. That's crazy. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I know. And uh, Wizards <laughs> shot 43%. So they were 9% more efficient than we were. And we still managed to win the ball game. And it's just because we just uh, beat them up, uh, you know. Uh, in the paint in terms of getting rebounds and second chance points and stuff. That's really just kind of what it came out to. Um, you know, it's uh, the uh, the caller that the first guy you were talking to, uh, I mean, it, it was pretty interesting. I, I, I think you probably know what I feel, why the team, you know, kind of sucks this year. Mm-hmm. For me, the number one reason, in my opinion, was like, was Randall, when you kind of look at it. Yeah. It's really, it was really his fault because he got his money. He stopped hustling on defense. Because I've been kind of going back to, like, you know, rewatch some of the games here and there sometimes. And it's like you kind of – when you watch, like, especially um, – he's just not even trying at all. Yeah. And it's crazy that we don't notice it sometimes. But a lot of times he barely tries unless the man is, like – unless the person with the ball is, like, right in front of him, then he's going to try. But if he's got to run out to the three-point line or if he misses a layup and he needs to run back on defense – uh, he's just not, you know, uh, it's just not going to happen. He, so that's kind of the biggest thing. Yeah. And then because because he basically was playing horrible, um, especially on the defensive end, it's like it's just Tom Thibodeau just didn't hold him accountable. Yeah. And just it seems like you know it just didn't happen. And then the other thing too is like RJ, we forget RJ Barrett. He's been playing well. He's kind of more in a shooting slump again. The last ten games, I guess, around the last ten games, mm-hmm. uh, but and he, but in second half of the season he has improved the shooting. But we forget first half of the season, dude was shooting like 39 percent from the field. Right. And we expected him to actually maintain it or take a step forward. And and I think one of the things too, I think that's well, probably I'm speculating with this, but that's probably one of the reasons they didn't sign uh, the guy who went to the Bulls, um, DeRozan, because DeRozan is a very you know he's a a high usage rate player, right? Oh, that's exactly uh, why. Although he's yeah, <laughs> he's efficient, but they expected RJ Barrett. They didn't want to take away from RJ's development, and they want hope, we hope he was going to take the step forward. But in terms of efficiency, RJ Barrett, although he's improved in playmaking the second half of the season, mm-hmm. he took a step back in terms of efficiency due to shooting forty one percent from the field this year. 
you know. So, uh, so that was the other uh, the other thing. Yeah. I think Mitch, with Mitch, yeah, he was out of shape um, early in the season, and compared to his usual defense, yeah, it, you can say it was a bit bad. But honestly, compared to like the rest of the league, the rest of the centers of the league, I still thought his defense first half of the season was a little above average. Um, it was just you know he just lost all, all the athleticism. And he was struggling. That's just my yeah. opinion from the from what I was seeing. Because I still kind of felt like he did a great job trying, like you know, uh, protecting the paint. Because um, I think we still led the league first half of the season. We we're still among league leaders in in protecting the paint. Mm. So you know, um, I think so. I just can't remember. But I think somebody can check me on that. Okay. Um, so. You know, so I just think, you know, I think that's, in my opinion, I think the whole Mitch thing's a little overblown. Uh, the, and the reason why it's overblown, too, is like, it's not like we have, on the offensive end for Mitch, it's not like we have good guard play or good playmakers that can get him the ball. So it's like, so what the hell does it matter whether if, if Mitch is, you know, if it's not the Mitch that can fly through the air, right? If he, you know, if nobody's going to get him the ball, then what the hell is the point of him, you know, flying through the air? So, <laughs> yeah. like, that's just what I think about it. Um, I'm sorry, what are, you, what are you gonna say? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like he was playing less minutes too because it was getting winded. I feel like he was slower. Mm -hmm. I feel like I remember he had like two or three really good defensive games. One of them was against uh, actually MB because MB was out of shape. Yeah. <laughs> no, I remember that one. That's was, true. That one was uh, was there, but I, I don't know. I definitely feel like that impacted our defense along with Kemba and Fournier being horrible. And even the RJ, even the R, the rhythm of RJ and where he's getting his shots, like R, the pecking order of who gets shots is is solidified now. I think that has also a lot to do with RJ's struggles because, like, because like now RJ knows, all right, I can get the ball and go through the hole. I'm getting my shots here, here, here. Evan Fournier's like, all right, I'm getting my shots off of dribble handoffs and <laughs> like their their roles are more solidified. So I think that has a lot to do with the way they were shooting as well. I think, you know, I, I agree with that. I think that does have a part uh, to play in it. I kind of, you know, on, on the other side, though, what I think happened was last year they definitely overachieved, and it started with, you know, Randall because of uh, contract year. You know, you know, he was a good, you know, good soldier, you know, uh, got down, got it, you know, basically grinded down and, like, you know, put in all the work so he can put, you know, so, so he had a really good offensive uh, year last year. You know, he did really good. Also, play really good defense, and I think he got his money. And this year, I don't think he put in the work that he put in last year mm -hmm. in the off season. And uh, honestly, with all these guys, I just don't think they put in the work. And it started with Randall last year, and he set the example and was setting the lead uh, because as the year went along last year, because Randall was putting in so much work after, like after basically games and after practices. Uh, you hear this year that some of the young guys still do it. But last year, that was a big thing. Everybody was talking about how these guys, like every last one of them, they're like, you know, they put up shots at night right. and stuff like that. I think we're doing that this year. I, I, you know, I, even the same thing with RJ. I'll put RJ in that too. I don't think, I think, you know, it's like they just kind of follow, our, you know, Randall's lead and they just weren't putting up the same work and the same shots that they put up last year because they thought like, okay, you know, they thought they had a baseline. And they thought they were going to maintain the baseline with like by cruising sort of and in, in practice, uh, but no, they needed to put up more shots and it showed. Um, <laughs> That's just my yeah, opinion with it. I feel you. Um, it, because it's like at the end of the day, it's not like 
I don't think Thibodeau really ran a different offense, like was that different this year than he was last year. And so, you know, although like, you know, there's a lot to blame with Thibodeau, there's a lot of things. I just think, I just don't like people that are stubborn, that don't make changes even in the face of fact. And that's the reason why I don't like him. I don't even want to, you know, and then also leadership issues. I don't like the way he treats players that, you know, that he doesn't see, he, he doesn't find it valuable. He just, he, you know, the whole thing he would think with Kemba, I wasn't a fan of Kemba playing either, but to basically demote a bench a guy and not even talk to him and be man up about it is ridiculous. The way he treats Obi, I think is ridiculous too. But that's a, that's a different thing. Yeah. Uh, but however, in terms of like his exes and all as far as the offense, it's kind of the same. Yeah, yeah, we got two new players. So, you know... But yeah. I think that's pretty much it. Like, you know, the stats basically said, this is the last thing, the stats say these guys basically last year they had pretty decent defense and they shot better last year. This year we have no starters except for Mitchell Robinson. There's nobody who gets over 20 minutes in our – in our. Um, um, there's nobody who gets over 20 minutes and they're basically in a rotation that's shooting over like 42%. Nobody. Right. That's just, you know, and then we got a power forward. I've never heard there's a, I've never seen a power forward that shoots 42% from the field. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, I just, I've never seen that before. So that's pretty much why we, you know, we suck this year. But, you know, thank you guys for taking my call. You know, like, uh, have a good night. All right. Yeah. Have a good night. Shout out to my guy Reaper. Yeah. I mean, listen, like, that's, a, he, yeah. We we're not really efficient. Our first unit is not very efficient in general. That's that's why that's a lot of reason why we're having problems. And I love Mitch and Randall too, but like the, the Mitch and Randall combination, and I love Mitch. And that's why I always push for a, a, a stretch five at some point. If Randall is really good at taking slower players off the dribble, it would help that if we have a stretch five to to kind of give them an open lane. So um, that probably helps contribute to you know our low shooting percentage and RJ as well. And RJ as well. Um, so we definitely need that. Um, I mean, there's also other things that contributed to the season. The Derek Lowe's thing is definitely one of them. Um, quickly, quickly, you know, RJ regressed. Quickly was trying to play point guard for a whole year, and he regressed. Like, this is the best quickly he's played in this um, this season. That's only been like a month long. That contributed to this. This, this is a multi. There's a lot of reasons why this season went the way it did. And so it's not just Tibbs. Tibbs has a lot to do. Tibbs could have changed some things, could have tried some new things. You already heard my Tibbs rant about how he could have plugged in some different players um, in different situations to see if they work, and he didn't. Um, Tibbs is not really creative on the offensive end as well. I do feel like offensively he can add more wrinkles. Uh, you actually even heard Mark Berman say uh, in a, on another show, I think it was Nick's Buzz, shout out to Nick's Buzz, that – that um, he doesn't even utilize his, his uh, assistant to help him on the offensive side of the ball, to help him play call or draw plays. It's just all him on offense and defense. And if, if you know, any successful person knows that you, you it takes a team. It takes a team to help you, you know, do certain things. So he has to trust. He might have to actually trust another guy to help him expand the offense and be more flexible in that regard. But, um, yeah, there's a plethora of reasons. Injuries, players, players being well, t- Tibbs not holding players accountable and pushing the right buttons, all that contributes to this, this season the way it is. 
but um hopefully like i said performance review coming up hopefully we learn from it and move forward and make some adjustments next caller up we got our guy mike from michigan shout out to mike from michigan man thanks for calling in again Dallas, appreciate you taking the call man absolutely uh yeah yeah so salute to the other callers they they had some good points i was listening and and they touched on you know a lot of things that you know made sense mm-hmm. you know from w- once they get a perspective i will say this though and and you know usually i you know i end my calls with the you know the way i end my calls but tonight my man had 17 rebounds yeah um and, and he actually contributed to the game you know, contributed to the win, I should say, mm-hmm. um, outside of just, 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 you know, forcing ISOs uh, to, to try to get his points when the uh, when Washington started to make that comeback. I will say this, though. I did see him miss like a – well, you know, he, he missed – I think he missed a three at the top of the key mm-hmm. at one point before Kuzma – or he was either right before Kuzma's 9-0 run or right in the midst of that 9-0 run where I was like, all right, man, here we go. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, there there, there was that. Um, to touch on uh, what the one of the previous callers said about Tibbs, though, um, what one thing the Tibbs Randall dynamic, or, or I'm sorry, the Tibbs front office dynamic. Right. Man, I think it's like this. I I think, and, and this is just again like he was saying, this is just all theory since we don't work there. Um, I think, you know, Leon being up top and and, and uh, Tibbs being his guy, I think Tibbs does have, you know, that that. You know, somewhat. I, I say I don't know if he's got complete autonomy when it comes to to minutes distribution and stuff like that. But I think he has a a, a pretty good amount of autonomy when it comes yeah. to who's playing and who's not playing. And, and I'm gonna point to the Cam Reddish trade <laughs> and, and the fact that he really didn't get used exactly. until he he absolutely got forced. You know, to based on lack of lack of available bodies. Facts. You know what I'm saying to. You know, evidence that that's a, that's a same you know thing. the front office. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know the front office. They they traded a first round pick. They had a vision for this guy to come in and and, and you know develop or, or whatever. You know, what I'm saying next to RJ, the the he was coming in and he was supposed to give us you know a perimeter defense, which Tibbs likes. Tibbs likes perimeter defense, and he's also supposed to be able to give us shooting. So it should have been a win win. I mean, as far as the front office and as far as you know Tibbs, you know getting a guy that he could use right away. You know what I'm saying? I, I, once he worked them in as far as practices or whatnot. So right. that being said, I I do think it, and, and that's one of the reasons why I'm like, ah, uh, you know, I'm not, like you said, I wouldn't be mad if they got rid of Tibbs. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't be, you know, enthused, but I wouldn't be mad about it either. It wouldn't really bother me. I'd be like, yeah, you know, right. that's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the Tibbs part. Uh, The other thing, and you know, I, I, I'll uh, put this thought out there, and I'll let you, you know, get to the next callers. Uh, so I've been watching the game tonight, and Washington's making their comeback. I'm kind of conflicted. Let me know if this is how you feel. I, my question to you is, how, how did you feel, you know, during this comeback as far as, like, I'm like, hey, I'm at the point in the season where, man, if we lose this game, I'm not really that upset because I'm not really that – enthused about making this play-in, man. Like, I'm, I'm like, for what? Make the play-in for what? Yeah, I, you know what I'm saying? I feel I'm not that upset. But then, I, yeah. But then at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm always happy when we win. So I'm conflicted. I was conflicted there. <laughs> so, but, yeah, but as far as, as far as the, my overall satisfaction with this season, it is pretty much 
going to come in the off season based on what we do in the off season. And that's going to take me up to my last, you know, my last point of the call and, you know, how I like to end it. We got to pay that man for what he did. Yeah, man. And we got to get him up out of here. <laughs> off season. I think that I, I, and I just say that, you know, not, not just for a punchline, but I say that because I feel like if we get rid of him, that gets our, you know, our, our team. We let, we let Obi. We let Obi have that spot. Mm-hmm. We get Obi going up and down the floor. We get a team that's pushing up and down the floor because if you watch the game, Randall, like, I saw a couple of possessions where uh, our, one of our guys get the rebound, uh, particularly Mitch. I saw one play in particular. Mitch get the rebound, and instead of looking up court to toss it up court to get, you know, into the uh, transition quicker, he turns around and passes it to Randall who walks it up. And, and yeah. that's, you know – Randall's solid, but that's one of the things that I feel like will be better, you know, for not having him. Because even without a point guard that's pushing, we get rid of Randall walking the ball up, and we get rid of Randall, you know, some of the, some of the, his isolation tendencies. And I think that that that'll inspire more movement on the offensive end in the half court. But it also inspire a quicker pace to figure out, okay, we can get easier shots for somebody if we just grab this rebound and get going. See, that's all I wanted to say, and uh, I appreciate you again taking the call. All right. And uh, I'm going to just go ahead and lift it from here. All right, salute to you, man. Yeah, man, shout out to you. Thanks for the call. Now, you hit me with a lot. You hit me with a lot. Let me see if I can remember everything you was talking about, though. Uh, you was talking about, well, first you was asking about, um, well, Randall, I do give Randall props today because there was a point in time, it was like three minutes and 45 seconds left in the second quarter. The second unit wasn't really scoring that much besides quickly. Randall's, Randall's play, he hit like four in a row. That actually gave us the lead. That actually gave us the lead. So, I mean, like you said, Randall has his faults, but he he played he played today. He got 17 rebounds today, and he played, and I give him credit for giving us the lead and, and, and helping contribute in that way. He's still not all the way first option. He's still low low efficiency. So he has his problems, but I, I appreciate that part of his game today. Um He was talking about those he was also talking about Tibbs, right? He was talking about how Tibbs is Tibbs is autonomy with playing. And here's the thing too that I, I just remember I just remember this. There was a point I think Berman, because Berman was Berman was, he was hitting them every week with the, the play the kids, play the kids. How come we don't play the kids? How come we can play the kids? Um, there was one interview where Tom was like, he was defined. He was just like, you got to earn minutes. I'm not just going to play any kid. That's not going to happen. Like, and that was like a month ago, right? That was like a little bit after the cam. He's like, you have to earn his minutes. I'm not just going to play any kid. That's not going to happen. Uh, they, he has to Kids have to, people have to earn the minutes like everybody else does. Like, he was really defiant about that. So, and that was after the rumors that, you know, the World Wide West was, was kind of like partially blaming Tom for, and his coaching for, for, uh, not, not winning a certain amount of games. So I felt like that, I felt like that was another indicator that, you know, Tom really has the last say. His, Tom really does have the last say. Oh, we got to tell him on the line. And I feel like I'm forgetting a, another point that you want me to ask, Mike. Mike um, I don't know if you're still on the line or if you want to type it. But what's the last point you want me to, to get to? Because I actually 
don't remember exactly what it was but hopefully i hit him all but if i if i didn't hit, hit me in the chat or something and let me know what's the last thing you wanted me to ask to, to answer to but shout out to everybody who's rocking with the kot show if you like to show support hit the like button hit the subscribe button super chats are also welcome welcome it helps keep the lights on also shout out to my guy um sir g ryan g in the building my sir g is chilling he's sick today so he couldn't be here um but hopefully we'll have him back on Sunday. Hopefully we'll have Raw Sunday too, because we have a Sunday coming up. JT Rick says, any more callers allowed? Yeah, JT, come come through if you want to talk. Uh, next caller up, we got my, my guy, Tell Him. Testing? Testing. Testing, testing, testing. Hey, how you doing tonight? Yeah. Hey, how you doing tonight? KOT show. So, boom, check this out. So tonight, we're smoking on that Chris that sports. Yeah, let's go. That pack is so potent. Woo! Potent pack, potent pack. So now that we got that out of the way, that was the good. Here's the bad. First of all, we blew like a 15 point lead in the fourth quarter. What's up? That's not a good look. That's number one. Number two, the caller prior to me was questioning: Does he really want to see a play and push or not? And I'm ah, going to repeat this because gotcha. I, I understand how he feels. Everybody feels this way, and that's why I'm going to keep repeating this. Us Knicks fans do want to see a play and push, but it has to be the babies. Yes. It must be the babies. It's what's going to make you care. It's what's going to make you enjoy the process. If Facts. it's Fournier, Randall, and Burks, you're not going to like it. Facts. But if it's done with the babies, you're going to like it. Speaking of the babies, I am still noticing – Coach Tibbs doing the same stuff he's been doing in general for two seasons now. I don't feel like Julius Randle needs to play 12 minutes in the third quarter. I think that's yeah. such a problem that doesn't get addressed, doesn't get spoken about. Julius Randle doesn't finish games good. Julius Randle looks tired at the end of games. Gosh. Julius Randle is at the top, not in minutes per game, but in total minutes played. Yeah, And I think that because you notice – Coach Tibbs has a set time when he's going to sub in, sub out. Facts. He'll sub Randall out to start the fourth quarter, and he'll bring him in around a seven-minute or eight-minute mark. No matter so what. So if there's 20 – no matter what, right. It doesn't matter what the scenario is. Obi could be cooking. You're out of here. That's yep. what happened a lot in the first, like, two months of the season. Facts. So, boom. If Randall's going to play 24 minutes in the second half, and we're not going to line it up to where he's going to be fresh at the end of games. Of course he's going to struggle. I'm not trying to defend Randall. I'm not a Randall guy. I want to move him for a point guard this offseason. But how can I not notice that and call Facts. that out if I'm being fair? Yeah, Randall doesn't get good minutes distributed to him from the coach. He does not get put in a position to succeed if he plays four to eight less minutes or at least had a chunk of his minutes set up to where he's not burnt out at the end of the game. I think that would help him. The 12-minute third quarter. That has to go. Facts. Not only that, another fear that I was worried about, Jay Ellis, and KOT show, it's happening. I was worried that when we started getting some of our pieces back, whether it be Cam Reddish, I know he's not coming back. I'm just giving an example. Whether it be going. Derrick Rose. Mm -hmm. Yep, you know where I'm going. Mm -hmm. No matter who it be, we, I was worried that we would start seeing some of these babies that we currently see and not play. And guess who came back today? Optimus Grimes. Mm -hmm. Grimes. That's a good look. That's a good look. Y'all ready for the bad look? The deuce did not get loose. Nope. Why is the deuce not getting loose? I'm upset that the deuce did not get loose. I want to see the deuce get loose. Facts. Especially because when you look at the schedule, 
Next game, we got Donovan Mitchell. He's going to cook us. But then the following game, we got the Atlanta Hawks. When we drafted the deuce, I, in my mind, said, ooh, that's the Trey Young soccer. <laughs> now he can't get on the court. We're two games away from the game that I need him the most for. You understand? And then you. the following game is the Charlotte Hornets, another team that we're pursuing yeah. when you look at the standing. Another game where I would love to have the Deuce's perimeter defense maybe mess up whatever offensive plays the Hornets are running with if, if, if he's going to line up with LaMelo Ball. You understand what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I don't like the 12-minute Randall quarters in the third quarter by Coach Tibbs. I don't like that if we bring back – one baby, another baby has to sit. I don't see why they both can't play together. Coach needs to figure that stuff out. I don't get paid to do it. He does. With that being said, Knicks, take the win. Don't complain about no wins now. We don't get enough. Right. We don't get it. I know y'all want to take no We don't get enough. Man, my hairline is beat up from stress for losing for two decades. I'm taking the W. I'm just letting y'all know. I'm taking the win, and I'm excited to lose to the Jazz, but then fight the Hawks and the Hornets because that's going to keep us in this playing push, this playing race. You feel me? Right. So, JL, let me know what up. All right, man. Uh, Yo. You already know when when telling comes on what it is, man. The flames are up. The fives are up. Uh, Everybody loves telling. Came with with the heat today. And help fill in some blanks because I forgot forgot some of the points that uh, my my man Mike talked about. And one of the things he asked about was, the plan? Are you in favor of the of the plan or not? I I personally don't care. Um, I'm not like if if we lose, I'm not superior supremely hurt. I do enjoy winning personally. Like you know, my you can see the energy difference when we win. I'm just not built to you know watch losing all the time. But I want to win in the right way. I want to win with the kids playing. If I see RJ playing well, if I see IQ playing well, if I see OB and Grimes and all these other young guys playing well, I feel a lot better about the win. So to me, it's more it's more development than anything. So to your point, I don't really care that much about the play-in. Um, if we miss the play-in, cool. The lottery odds are kind of stacked. I mean, the lottery odds are lottery odds. Even if we don't get top four, who knows? Like the, the freaking Pelicans and the Memphis Grizzlies got a top two pick. And they didn't have the worst record in the NBA that year. We did. So you just never know. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not, I'm not stressing, ooh, 11th, 12th. I don't, I don't care. I don't really care. I don't really care. And also to his point about Julius Randle, um, I agree. I agree. I don't think I even talked about it enough on this program how he only plays. He plays the entire third quarter. Um, mostly the entire second unit first unit sometimes play the, almost the entire third quarter win loser draw and that's annoying and, that, and that's a tips thing it's funny because i was watching a i was watching i've been watching a lot of like jj reddit podcasts lately and i think he was talking about how he was on orlando and he was pissed because was it him Somebody was pissed about the rotations because he was like, yo, no matter how the game was, I played the whole first quarter. He played the whole second quarter. I played the third quarter. And then the fourth quarter, he finished it. It didn't matter how the game was. And he finished by saying, what is this? Is this like high school basketball where everybody gets a turn? Like, this is dumb. And I feel like this is exactly what Tibbs is doing. And when he, as soon as he said that, I thought about Tibbs. Like, exa- as soon as he said that. I'm just like, you have to vary it up. But... Th- 
depending on the game and, and not just one way too but but i digress i, I digress man and um i see mike mike shout out to mike i saw him talk he typed out a last point, he says, Mike and I appreciate you taking the call again. My last point was the ultimate success for your assessments of the season will be how we clear the way for some of our young players in the summer. Now, I agree with you, and I talked about that a couple of games, too, where I, I want to see Alec Burks move especially. And we need Cam to get some reps in. Ultimate, we need Cam to get minutes. We need Obi to get minutes. We need these guys to get minutes. And I don't know. I, I don't. I have. I kind of lost hope on Obi getting minutes, to be honest with you, because Randall is here. But bare minimum, I want to see Cam get minutes next season. Cause I just don't. I don't know. I'm, if Tom Thibodeau is here next season, which is what was rumored to be happening, I can't see them moving Randall. I feel, almost feel like it's a package deal at this point. Um. So yeah. Uh, next caller up, we got our man JT Riddick. What's going on, my man? Yeah. Yeah. What's good, what's good, what's good? Salute, salute, salute. I ain't going to try to keep up with telling. Tell him he got it. He should have closed the show. I wish I called a little earlier. That was a <laughs> fire. Man, I need to see fires. I need to see fives. He he got it. I'm like, dang, what else am I going to say? Like, he kind of hit on everything I wanted to say, but I didn't even think I going to have that energy. That's but, fine, man. Just do yeah, you, man, sir. Just do you. <laughs> yeah, and of course, of course, man. Do me. That's, how I do, that's what I do best. But um, like he, he said, man, he said it best. Like we all have our faults with Randall and whatever, you know, we, we could we could go over, but you know, if y'all don't know, watch the old episodes. We all done said what we have to say, but one thing you got to say, and this is Tim's problem is this man playing 39 minutes, is it, it ain't it. It ain't it. Especially when you got, you know, Obi on the bench, right. whether you, you know, that's, it's like, like he's going to be tired. <laughs> yeah. So there's nothing. So it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And then as far as the, um, like, I agree. Look, like I keep saying, as a Knicks fan, I don't believe in it. I don't believe in the lottery. I don't believe in it because I feel like we go one in eighty-one, and we probably still get like the fourth or fifth pick. It's not. It just doesn't. It never happens in our favor. Facts. So at the end of the day, man, it is what it is. I say we play. We you know, we see what we're gonna do. We play. We play as best we gonna play. Get the, whatever it's a W or L. We see it. But like tell him says, the truth. We got. We want to see the kids. We want to see the kids. We want to see. More Obi, we want to see more Deuce. We want to see because at least look at how Deuce has been playing these last couple of games. What was he like plus thirteen? Damn, in all of them. Mm-hmm. So it's something you want to see, especially for the defensive stop. And then you're relying too much on these guys on the vets. And so one of the callers earlier who was trying to say like, oh, maybe it's the front office. I doubt it because if you talk to a Chicago fan, they say the same thing. Chicago, you know, Tibbs was heavily reliant on the um, uh, uh, what was I going to say? Tibbs heavily reliant on. Who he trusts. Yeah. So it's the trust factor. Yeah. Those guys those guys really gotta earn his trust, but it's sometimes it's so frustrating to see what it takes for them to earn his trust. But it's like he earns it, you earn his trust. But like we said, we didn't see Grimes today because uh, I mean not Grimes, sorry, Deuce today because Grimes came back and then boom, he snaps right back into his template coaching. So that's just the most frustrating thing. So that's why when it comes down to tips coming back, it's like I'm conflicted because on one on one side, I don't know, everybody everybody gonna spaz out. I mean, not everybody. I'm sorry. People on Nick's Twitter spaz out about, oh, continuity. I'm like, that's actually important because at the end of the day, you want somebody to still take the job. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Still somebody, you, still want somebody, you still want somebody who's going to take the job. So if it, so that's something that's at least a good look where at least it's, at least it's like, okay, they could say, hey, at least the front office didn't, you know, didn't turn on him, whatever. So that's, that's kind of the only real thing that I'm really harping on because the adjustments has been killing us all season. And, like, we – you know, and these adjustments are so bad, it caused us 
to really get even more frustrated with players, and it's more of it's even really right. like they fought from EP last year to Burks right. this year. Burks, if he plays in his role, if Burks and Fournier play more in their role, because like I I like Fournier the way Fournier's been playing now, yeah. it's good for him to get you know get his get get decent minutes off the bench if we're gonna if we're gonna contribute more to the youngins and let him come and be a you know be a spark plug off the bench and hit like some good threes or whatnot and then play with an effective because the plays and the styles don't match. But it seems like he has these set systems and it's all based off of seniority. So that's the real most frustrating thing where it's like, man, like we all keep saying, if the front office kind of takes his crutches away, then maybe we'll see the team we like. But that's why it's really like, it's like, because we all like, it's not just him as a front office. It's enough for everybody. It's enough for everybody to go. But that's, look, we just going to see what is. And then even, we just going to see what, What's going to happen next year? Because at the end of the day, like we all here, all 82 as always. So whether we, whether we smile and laughing, breaking stuff in our house, we watch <laughs> So we just. <laughs> Salute to y'all, so, man. It, you know, you know what I'm saying? I feel you, So man. it's like, so that's pretty much, that's, that's pretty much what it is. Hopefully, I'm real hopeful because I believe that our youngins, they're not scrubs. I'm, it's not about overhyping them, but at the end of the day, you don't want, you can't have a full roster of all superstars because we don't have a $500 million cap space where we could sign all of them to max deals. So yeah. at least if you have the young guys that you've developed and they all could slide in their spots, it's, you know, it, 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 to my opinion, it's a, little easier, it's a little easier versus keep on overpaying guys in free agency. So that's why you want to see these. You want to see these young guys play, and you want to see them develop into something. So when people, that's why I'm always against the, the notion of people say, "Oh, we overhype our guys. We overhype our guys." I'm like, nah, because you can slot. You can. You got a guy on a rookie contract, and maybe he could develop into something that at least plays his role. He plays his, his position and gives the team what they want. Right. So, but hey, look, what's up? No, nah, I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you. You, 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 all facts right now, man. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you still there? Oh, yeah, but it's just... Oh, yeah, hold on. Go ahead. Finish it up. No, I hear you. I, I, I barely hear you. Oh, you barely hear me? Oh, okay. That's what's... Finish it up, man. Finish it up. Finish what you were saying. Okay, okay. The, um, yeah, I was saying... I was saying that... the re, You know, like, I want to see the young guys play because they all bring something. We don't have... We have a young team where everybody can distribute their spots. We're going to keep saying it's the number one point guard. We need a point guard. We uh, hopefully we can hopefully the front office can do something this summer and make and move some of the uh, move the uh, the the players we don't want to bring in a point guard. Hopefully it doesn't require us spending too much. But at the end of the day, I'm watching. It's not my job. Like we always say, it's a worldwide mess. It's for them. To, it's for them to discuss, It's for them to figure it out. Jay Ellis, keep doing what you're doing. Ryan G, get better. You know we always here. O eighty two. Make sure you hit that like button, subscribe, share, comment, everything. I'm out. Yeah. Shout out to my guy JT, and as always, shout out to World Wide West. Everywhere we go, we leave a worldwide mess. Shout out to World Wide West, but yeah, he touched on a few things right here. He touched on a few things, and one of the things, uh, you know what? Uh, I saw, I saw Keem. Some he was, he was talking about how fast he subbed Obi out, and, and shout out to to uh, Keem Lowe. He said Obi gave up that and one and got subbed out, got subbed right out low SMH. And you're absolutely right, Keem Lowe. That that was Tibbs tipping at his finest because the funny thing about that is when he did it, I knew he was getting subbed out. I knew it. I knew it. And the funny part is right before that happened, Obi forced like two or three turnovers right before the end one. So it's like, 
Like, he was a plus on two or three plays before that and let the fast breaks. He makes one mistake, and then OB is subbed out. And I'm just like, bruh, man. <laughs> it's like, let, let my man OB live. Nine minutes and 29 seconds for OB tonight. It's like, this be tipping for real, man. Like, jeez. Like, he just made two or three good, good play, defensive plays in a row. Like, let him make one mistake after making two or three good ones in a row. It's, it's crazy. The, the second part is, um, it's a, tell him touched on you know, McBride. And the last, I talked about this last game, how I wanted McBride to be more aggressive because Grimes is around the corner. And once Grimes comes back, McBride is gone. And that's exactly what happened. McBride, zero minutes today. Like, he, he needs to be more aggressive. If he ever gets back in rotation, something else happens. Like, I need you to chuck me, Brian. I'm not going to lie. I'm not be the connector and stuff, but I need you to be more aggressive and looking for your shots and dribbling the ball and acting like you were in the G League squad and, and taking more chances. Um, And for the last, my last point is... Like I said, I've been on, I've been up and down with this Thibodeau thing. I want, I definitely want continuity, for sure. But I also feel, feel like he, when it comes to Ob, when it comes to Cam, when it comes to Ob and Cam in particular, those guys with probably the highest ceilings on the team outside of RJ, I'm, I'm worried for them because I don't feel like he's gonna give them the runway that he. They need to really grow to the full potential because of the veterans in front of them. I do feel like Obi and Cam might have the highest, one of the highest ceilings on the team. Um, on the flip side, Tom Thibodeau has been great for Mitch. He's been great for RJ, and he's been great for Quickly. The biggest argument for keeping Tibbs might be the RJ factor. Because RJ, if you saw a video, there's a video of RJ, and he absolutely looks like he's backing Tibbs. Cause you know sometimes when people say, "Oh yeah, I want, I like the coach," it seems like it seems like they're just being politically correct. I feel like RJ is, is genuine. Like, RJ feel like he's gotten better. I think he said it himself. I feel like I've gotten better under Tibbs. Um, the the team is still fighting for him. Why wouldn't he be back next year? And for RJ being here, changing coaches already, and a couple of years he's been here, I feel like. For him to lose another head coach might signal something in RJ's brain that like, oh, here we go again. And and also signal is this franchise stable? You know what I'm saying? So that might be the biggest argument for keeping Tibbs. Um The other biggest argument for not keeping him would be Obi and Cam Reddish kind of wasting away if he's here. So for Take that for what you will. Um, yeah, shout out. Hold on. Here we go. Shout out to Civil Analytics, man. Civil Analytics, who who be, uh, he, he's super analytical, man. We might have another stats, and, un, uh, unofficial stats and facts guy who always has, he has videos about breaking down facts and stuff, stats and stuff as well. Shout out to Civil Analytics. Says, Bringing Tiz back is a risk for the front office. If they fall next year, the front office and Tiz will be fired. I agree. I I definitely agree. And um it's funny too because I do feel like the fire of a head coach kind of signifies to to uh Dolan that the front office made a mistake. 
And it might even put the front office on alert. If anything, in Dolan's eyes. So that's something else to think about. Um, but you're absolutely right about that civil analytics. But yeah, this is a, this is a weird, this is a weird spot to be in. He's a coach of the year last year. RJ's playing better. Mitch has developed under him. Quickly, seems like he's turning a quarter. Those are his positives. The negatives is he's not holding Randall accountable. Um, Obi and Cam seem like they'll be stifled under him. His offense, his offensive creativity has, seems to reach a, a stalemate. He might need help on that end. Um, so off the top of mind, those are, those are the negatives, and we got to kind of battle that. Hopefully, the front office steers him more into the positive, and they're completely honest about his performance, and we change some things and maybe make it easier for him to play some of these young guys next season. All right? All right, man. That is our show. Thank you, everybody, for watching. I appreciate you guys immensely. It's the later part of the season. It's Friday Friday night. Y'all here talking Knicks with me. So shout out to you guys for, for rocking. All right? Uh, as Shout out to the chat, man. Shout out to the picks with Timmy Fritz, Alessandro, JT Reddick. Shout out to Kanal, ba- Kanal Banloya. This is on the road to the 14th pick. Shout out to you. I feel like we're going to like end up trading the pick anyway, to be honest with you. Shout out to Keem Lowe. Shout out to Kurt Germ Warfare. He says, we're on. We're one piece away. A real starting point guard. Yeah, I feel like we, we might be. Maybe. If y'all saw my little my Chris, uh, Chris Paul uh, comment on um, on uh, Twitter, read that. It kind of talks about that a little bit. Um, hold up, yeah. Shout out to JT Riddick. This is a 999 Super Chat. He says, "Year all eighty two. Appreciate you. Appreciate you guys. Um, also, too, I got a light for for um, I got a light for Ryan G. Hopefully, he's able to connect it so you can see him in brighter light. And got it from a while ago, but he hasn't connected it yet. So hopefully, you get to see that next time. A, the super chats are helping that. The super chats are helping also helping the phone lines. If you got to pay for the phone line, so salute to you guys helping to keep the lights on, literally." Also got Ryan G light. Alright. But that is our show. Thank you guys for watching. Um let me switch the graphic real quick. Shh. As you know, you can buy our, our KOT merch at nicktimeshow.com slash catalog. Get, get, get it in, in blue and orange and black and white colorways. Um also, you can follow us on all social media at the KOT Show on Twitter, the Nick of Time Show on Instagram, and Facebook as well. All right. Also, listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Everywhere you listen to podcasts, you can listen to the KOT Show. So definitely do that. All right. That is our show, guys. Supremely appreciate you guys and the support and the super chats and the people who rock with us. And as always. Shut out the World Wide West. Everywhere we go, we leave a worldwide mess. It's a mess out here in Knicks Nation, all right? Knicks win. Take the head off KP's the snake. That is our show. We are out of here. Peace. New York, New York, big city of dreams. I'm coming straight out. New York, New York, big city of dreams. NYC.